Welcome to the Special Interest Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Carly. We are the creators and hosts. As two women who received late autism diagnoses, we are passionate about educating, celebrating, and highlighting autistic identities. This life-changing diagnosis opened a whole new world to us both. Our special interests have been so important in our journey of self-discovery through our autism diagnosis. Special interests provide autistics with an element of regulation, comfort, and support. We want to provide a platform where others can share the joy of their special interests. Our podcast aims to represent diverse autistic identities through an inclusive community where autistic voices are valued, validated, and seen. We're excited for you to join us on our journey of learning and story sharing. Join us weekly as we share about our own experiences and other autistic stories. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. What's up? What's up? What's up? (laughs) That's quite the greeting from Carly. Haven't heard that one before. Love it. My brain was just telling me, say it, say it say it the intrusive thoughts won (laughs) they did (laughs) how's how's it going how's everybody feeling today we are recording during the day so I think that's like evident in my energy that I have a little bit more energy today where we've been recording in the afternoons in our past few episodes so that makes my energy feel a little bit more sluggish but I am wide awake I'm wide awake (laughs) we've been watching american idol we have it's so good definitely recommend this season if you haven't watched it and should we check in with ourselves and see how we're feeling on this whatever day you're listening to this episode friday it's fresh episode friday (laughs) yeah so everybody we can Take a minute, check in with yourself, take a nice, big, deep breath. How are you doing, Carly? I'm doing well. I think it's kind of silly, but when we do these check-ins and take a deep breath, I've been really trying to focus on breathing more through my nose I feel, I recognize how out of my head I can be at times when I'm not breathing through my nose. And so it's just been something that I've been a lot more conscious of. I notice how my nose gets so stuffy when I'm not breathing through it. And it really just helps to slow my mind and my thoughts and everything down. So if you are a fellow mouth breather, I definitely recommend checking in with yourself maybe once a day start and just take a minute to really breathe through your nose. It makes such a big difference in your mindfulness and your thoughts. And yeah, it's something I've been really trying to 
practice for the past couple of months now and I've noticed a really big difference in it even in the way that I talk like I'm talking right now and I'm losing my breath because I start talking so fast when I'm super excited but if I'm not breathing through my nose then I'm not being as mindful so yeah how are you Alex I'm good I have a week off from work this week which I'm very grateful for but also I'm very burnt out. So this week has been spent mostly sleeping and just doing things that I really enjoy and doing special interests just to recover. So it's been good. I'm really grateful for the time. Going back to the breath thing, Carly reminded me of something somewhat related is yeah, breathing through your nose is like your breath is your life. Like exactly energy your (laughs) life like we are so disconnected from our breath and I'm realizing that I'm like trying to figure out how to put it into words but part of my masking so I just want to be singing like all of the time singing makes me so happy but because of my masking I don't sing in front of people, I'm very scared because it's just so connected to my heart. And so like, I really want to hum while I'm like out in public or like sing, but I can't do that anymore because it's masked so deeply that you're not supposed to do that, that instead I will like breathe the beat to a song. So all <laughs> it's like almost like I'm whistling, but it's like breathing. But then my breathing is like so out of sync with my body mm. that I like, it gives me anxiety. Mm. And like, if anybody else knows what I'm talking about, like if any, anybody else does this, like I'm so curious because I've like told people about it and nobody knows what I'm talking about. But instead of like singing, I just like, will like breathe to a song instead of sing to a song. It's, I don't know. Do you do that, Carly? That's so interesting. No, I don't I don't generally do that. I I do prefer to hum. Um and I feel like I've just gotten like the pitch where I don't do it where it's noticeable unless you're like right next to me, like maybe you feel the vibration or something, but that is interesting and I could see how that could offset your heart rate because mm-hmm. if you think about it when you start having like a panic attack or when you, I don't know if anybody has tried um, breath work, but that is literally when you start to accelerate your own heart rate and you find the control within it. And so, yeah, that's an interesting, definitely like a stim, you know? Yeah, it definitely is. It's like, it's like I'm whistling, but like mm. no sounds coming out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But it's something that I like recently realized I do. That's part of my masking. Mm. And yeah, I just I just want to sing all the time. I'm like Jessica Day. <laughs> I would if I could. Actually, I can. I'm just going to start singing everything in my life. My life's going to become a musical. That's so funny that you say that. So I'm, I'm the same way, but I think I do. I also mask that part of me. Like I only do that when I'm at home and 
I do it to the point where I am so annoying to my partner. And I love that aspect of it, by the way. Like, I enjoy the being annoying. But yesterday, he would say things to me and I would sing everything back that he said to me. And I made a whole song out of his whole script. And I was like, and this is your own song. And every single day I come up with a song that has to revolve around his actions. And I just find so much joy in it, but I do the same thing. I'll sing to my dog. I sing to my cat, whatever I'm doing, but it's definitely something I only do at home and I find so much creativity in it I think that's like one of my enjoyments with it I think um I I don't know if you do this too but like sometimes I really love to build the song from whatever like I'm doing and so I love to story tell so I'm like okay what's next and sometimes I'm like this is gonna be a hit one day and I'm just gonna say something (laughs) that is just gonna sound so profound and so like so good and so I just have to keep the story going or like I'm never gonna come up with the idea you know (laughs) I love that I do that for like shopping lists like if I have to go to a store Mm. like for whatever reason my brain's never like let's just write it down let's just do the easiest (laughs) thing no my brain's like let's make a song about all the things you have to get at the store today so I'm like yes broccoli bananas like going through the store just (laughs) having that in my brain trash bags like (laughs) yes it reminds me of the episode of Hannah Montana I had just seen this reel the other day so that's why it's like fresh on my mind I mean obviously Hannah Montana too but like he's always fresh on your mind right it's the episode when they're learning all the bones in the body and so she makes up a song about it and I'm like oh my gosh I don't know why they don't just teach this way in the classrooms because you would connect it so much more and maybe that's why like I feel like TikTok is kind of like that too where like Mm. there's songs out of everything and it just makes you remember it so much more and yeah I can see how making a grocery list would out of song would help because you're like okay what's the next part of the song (laughs) yeah it makes it more fun yeah and and the feeling of it too you know like trash bags like you remember (laughs) how it goes you know (laughs) sometimes my brain pairs a little dance move with it too (laughs) (laughs) do you do the dance move in the grocery store (laughs) I love that So you mentioned that you've been resting and I do want to say that resting is a verb. It is a doing word. So I'm glad that you have been resting and taking care of yourself this week because that is so essential when you're in that burnout phase. How are you feeling coming to the end of your week and after completing some of that rest? Um. I just feel so weird because I'm so out of my routine. I Mm. feel a little lost. I feel like recovered. It's just like, you know, vacation. I don't want to complain about like taking a vacation, but it's just like, I'm just like, what do I do every day? And so (laughs) the beginning of the week, it was nice because then I just relaxed and like did my special interests. But now I just feel like strange. I'm like, what do I do? Like, you know, we plan to record today, which was really nice. Hang out with one of my friends later, which is good to have like things to do. Um, because like if I spend every single day of my vacation like 
in bed watching American Idol, like that's going to be so negative for my mental health. So Mm. just like, I'm trying to find that balance. But you know, I am just like, really just exhausted. Even though like, I haven't really done anything this week. And like people have tried to make plans with me and stuff. But I'm just like, I really just need like, it's almost just like a, like, I need a vacation for my brain, like, like to not have any plans to like, know that I just have a few days where like, I have absolutely nothing to do. And like, they're just blank is like really nice. Do you like having that blank time? Or do you like having your schedule filled in? So since I have ADHD and autism, both. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love having a day to do whatever I want. And at the same time, if I have too many of those days, it's really, really stressful. So, you know, having like a whole week, like in the beginning of the week, I was doing whatever I wanted. I didn't have a schedule and that was uh, really nice. But now I'm getting to the point where like, you know, I, I only have like a couple days left of my vacation. So it's not a big deal, but it's just like, now I'm just like, okay, now I need a schedule. Like, you know, I have my whole day planned tomorrow of like, you know, pretty much what I'm going to do, but like, I don't necessarily have plans, but I have like a routine in place. If that makes Mm, sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I relate to that in a way because I haven't had a standard nine to five job in a long time now. And I find that with all of my open space I almost get overwhelmed with all of the opportunities that I could be doing or not doing and yeah prioritizing that rest or implementing my routines like I relate to that a lot and I find that sometimes I'll put off even doing some of my special interests or creative ideas that I want to partake in because I have so much time and so sometimes that time can be overwhelming and even when you only know that you have like a week you know to fulfill what you want but I yeah I I can see how that can be helpful and detrimental in a way being out of the routine that you had had in place before going into this yeah it's like as somebody who's a perfectionist with ADHD, pressure is very helpful for me to get things done. And when the pressure isn't there, then I'm not going to do it. Like mm-hmm. today, like I spent a lot of time cleaning my house because, you know, one of my friends is coming over later. And, you know, that's like a motivation for me to be like, wow, like. I don't want anybody to witness how messy my house <laughs> is right now. So I had to do something about it. Um, so yeah, like when you just kind of like have that like unlimited amount of time almost, it's like, oh, I don't have to do that right now. I can do something that I want to do. Cause like, that's the way like my brain's programmed. It's like, oh, I don't have to do something that's unpleasant. Well, there's no way that I'm going to do that now. <laughs> right. It, it There's time that it can wait and be done at another time. And I feel like that's like, you know, humans have evolved to do that. But I just feel like in neurotypical brains, like they have that mechanism that's like, no, you know, let's just do it now and get it done with. And then we can go do what we want after where my brain mm-hmm. is like, I'm going to do what I want now. And then I'm going to do that thing when I absolutely have to. And there's no more time to do it. 
Right. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. Um, what is that word I'm looking for? Procrastination? No. Um, it starts with a D, I think. Ooh. Um, oh, I almost had it. <laughs> What a weird, what a weird mechanism too. When you like are looking for a word, and you're like, "What does it mean?" I mean, where is it? Where, where and where yeah, is like, that where word? Where right is now? the word? <laughs> That's what I always wonder. Where is it? Where right does now? it go? You know, um, the word go. <laughs> and clearly, duh, duh, duh. We're playing a game, <laughs> Carly. What's that word? <laughs> what does it mean? to have discipline there discipline. it is <laughs> see I couldn't even think of it like do you find that sometimes it's hard to be self-disciplined it's so hard for me to be self-disciplined all of the time mm. there's like I go through phases of life where like it's it's a little easier but like mm-hmm. for a while I've just been in this place where self-discipline is like probably like the hardest it's been for me my whole life Right. I definitely agree with that. I think that goes hand in hand with the burnout feeling as yeah. well. Cause it's like, okay, I want to do things that are good for me and my mental well being and to help with the burnout. And sometimes discipline is good in those uh areas, but then it's hard being self disciplined when you're like when it's that negative self talk of like, no, just don't drink the water drink the juice instead (laughs) yeah like thinking about it like when before I took the job that I have right now I had way more self-discipline actually like Mm -hmm. I was going for a walk every day I was eating really healthy I was meditating every day I was doing yoga every day so actually like yeah before I took this job and I wasn't burnt out I had great self-discipline and now Mm -hmm. that I have this job that is so unaligned with my purpose in life and I'm just really struggling a lot I'm so burnt out that like, yeah, that self-discipline's not there. I'm I'm in survival mode right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's hard to even do those things that are clearly beneficial to not being in that state, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I basically just like want to just relax all the time and like not think about, you know, what I have to do, you know, my job. Mm-hmm. it's like it's like a force to like even to get myself to go for a walk every day which is something that I absolutely love I love being outside and going for walks right right yeah it's just and, an interesting sorry but I was wondering if you had anything else you wanted to check in about because I feel like that's a good segue into you know being burnt out and like that's why I went for a diagnosis Mm. Yeah, I think that is a good segue. So, our word of the week, our word of the week. Word of the week. Woo! Is diagnosis is our word of the week. Yes, perfect. <laughs> so, we'll start with, I guess, yeah. So, going for diagnosis after feeling burnt out, what made you officially? 
seek diagnosis. Yeah, I was in a time where I was extremely, extremely burnt out. And I had gone to, you know, therapists and my primary care doctor and like all of these doctors, like trying to be like, why am I so tired all the time? Why am I sick all the time? Why does my body hurt? I have so much tension in my body. Like I'm grinding my teeth. Like my teeth Mm. are like in bad shape because I grind them all the time, all day long. I'm just like clenching my jaw and just so much tension in my body. Like I had all these things and everybody was like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And then, you know, I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety, with social anxiety, with depression, with um, like cyclical depression, with like all of these things. And I was just like, I don't feel like any of those fit me like at all. Like I remember I went into my primary care doctor and they had me like fill out the survey before I went in and it was about like having Mm -hmm. depression Mm -hmm. and like my results came back and my doctor was like, you know, I'm really concerned about you. Like you have depression. And it's just like, I, you know, I do have depression, but it is cyclical. And like, I was like, I'm not, I don't feel like that right now. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just, I've never been depressed for like this long consistently. Um, and so then Carly started looking into autism and all of the things she was experiencing, I was experiencing too. And we had so many similar things. So I brought up, I was like, maybe I have, maybe I'm autistic. And so then I connected with my doctor and she got me to see a neuropsych and I just felt like it was important for me to have a diagnosis because I was going through grad school and that was another reason why I was so like that was another reason why I was struggling so much was Mm. balancing school uh, school and a full-time job and it was really challenging also my whole life I've known I have ADHD I've never gotten tested for it but like it runs in my family and so I was like oh, I'll get tested for ADHD and autism. And my neuropsych was like, you know, usually they co-occur. So it's good that we're doing both of the tests. We can see, you know, if they fit you. And they did. Like kind of what led you to seeking that diagnosis? Yeah, same kind of story. I was extremely burnt out, but it was almost became unmanageable and I was becoming ill over it I same thing went to my doctor I took the same type of survey and I was um I've always been um diagnosed with depression and anxiety but mine was major depressive disorder and they were yeah very concerned about me and for the first time I actually went on medication for it because I just felt like it was becoming super unmanageable. I then seeked a therapist. And when I was learning more and more about autism, I was also working with children that were autistic and was reflecting a lot on some of what I was learning and just started to really self-identify with it and it became just like whoa you know it clicked so much of 
what I was missing in my life was, okay, I know that I have depression. There's clear reasons for that, but depression doesn't always have to stick around. You can have depression, like kind of like what you said in um, bouts, it can come and go and you can feel it more in certain seasons of your life. And at that time, I definitely was feeling it. But there were behaviors that I was learning about, um, especially like socializing, that I always experienced. It didn't matter if I was depressed or not or anxious or not. It was just what always occurred throughout my life. And I was really relating to that. And the burnout was really just like the the tip of the iceberg that led me into more information and kind of then learning about it past who I was, you know, teaching. It wasn't about children. I was learning more about autism in adults and how that looked. And then of course, in females as well, and how that can look different. And I just related so, so much to it. And then, yeah, Alex and I would process a lot of the information that we were learning together. And we were both just like, OMG, this is me. (laughs) And I was self-diagnosed for about a year and that was fine for me. I, I was fine just knowing this information, but at the same time, I didn't want to, I had the imposter syndrome, I'll say, of knowing that I was autistic and then bringing the information to different like family members and just having others not really understand what autism was. And I, I didn't understand what it was either until I learned about it. And then I was like, oh, it it just all makes sense. Like once you know, you just know. And having that diagnosis was validating to myself to quiet that imposter syndrome. And then also to start advocating for myself was a really big piece of it. Like now I am able to advocate for myself, tell others that, I am this way because of X, Y, and Z and not feel like if somebody reacts out of not knowing what autism is in a a way that we've all seen of like, oh, you're not because my nephew's son has autism and you look nothing like that and, and things like that. I now don't feel discredited by those types of reactions because I just know that those people don't have the information that I have now learned and processed and have gone through. It was really important for my self-identity to get this information because now I'm like, oh, this is exactly who I am and why I am the way that I am. It just filled in all those boxes of what was missing before and I mean now I've been diagnosed officially by the neuropsych for almost two years now and I am just still learning so much more about myself and I give myself so much more grace having this information even in times when I'm like oh why am I acting this way and I'm like oh this this is why and it's not because I'm depressed or anxious it's because of autism and it's because and that's because my brain 
is the way that it is. I have an autistic brain and it processes information differently and I socialize differently and I am so grateful for that. It really was a huge turning point. And actually, like, I don't even really experience much depression or anxiety as much anymore because of this information. Like I said, I give myself so much more grace. I have so much better understanding of myself. I am able to advocate and give myself the accommodations that I need. I will only allow my energy to extend as far as I know that it can extend. And then I recover in ways that I have in my toolkit. And I'm able to do so now be with this information. So it really just changed my whole life. Yeah, I resonate with that so much. And so since you've gotten your diagnosis, Alex, I was wondering, like, have what happened afterwards for you? Yeah. So I think one of the reasons why I pursued a clinical diagnosis was, you know, much like Carly said, answering a lot of my own questions, gaining that confidence and advocating for myself. But also, you know, I kind of expected to have some answers from like professionals in the field, you know, my neuropsych, maybe they'd connect me with different resources and like really interesting, you know, my neuropsych was like, so here's your diagnosis. Any questions? No. Okay. You can reach out to me in the future if you need anything. And that was it. And I have not been contacted by anybody. And like, when I talk about it with my primary care doctor, there's not really anything that they offer in terms of resources. So, you know, after diagnosis, like you're, you're pretty much on your own. And I don't know, you know, that's my experience. I don't know if that's the way for a lot of other people. How about you, Carly? Yeah, same thing for me. Also, when I was getting my diagnosis, it was still in that period of COVID and whatnot. So I was doing part of my um part of my testing was um on video chat. So I actually got my diagnosis through a video chat. I don't know if yours was the same, but um, she had called me up and told me that I was officially diagnosed and we went through the write-up that she had put together throughout all of the testing and that was it. I never heard from her again. I never was offered resources and this was somebody that was specialized in diagnosing autism in women which was really important to find that specialist and I'm grateful that I had you know that specialist but I do wish now that I was given some resources also to backtrack a little bit more before going to the neuropsych and having um, the connection with them I also went to my primary care doctor and I brought in a full list of the reasons why I wanted to seek my autism diagnosis and my primary care doctor like 
bluntly came out and said that they didn't know much about autism. And I just found that really interesting that a lot of the time your doctors and therapists and resources that you might have the connection to might not know anything about autism so that's why it's like it's really important to seek somebody that is neuroaffirming and has the specialty in the adult diagnosis um thankfully that was covered by my insurance at the time I know a lot of the time it is not and so I'm really grateful that I had that at the time. But of course, now that I've had this diagnosis, I have kind of just been left to my own devices. And I had a really great therapist that worked really well with me, but once again, was not trained in autism. So that's kind of been my experience post-diagnosis. I do wonder what other people's experiences have been like in other countries, whether they've gotten resources once being diagnosed. I saw a reel the other day that was like, oh, why do all these self-diagnosed autistics want to go get a official diagnosis and take away all the resources and it was just like ha 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 like as if there are any and so I think it is a pretty general path that a lot of us have to go down but for me I still am very glad that I have gone down it because the validation has like I said it's just really turned my whole life around yeah me too. And I think that like, there's a lot of people out there who are self-diagnosed and are able to have a lot of confidence in that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really great too. You know, I think especially like there's like a lot of people who are self-diagnosed and have members in their family who are clinically diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that provides you with a lot of information and there's you know, people out there who have realized their kids are autistic and then they learn themselves they're autistic and they self-diagnose. And I think there's just so many different pathways to diagnosis. It doesn't have to be clinical. And that's something I really like um, Dr. Devin Price brings up in their book, Unmasking Autism, is there's the clinical diagnosis and there's self-diagnosis and clinical diagnosis, you know, the DSM-5 is, was created by, you know, neuropsychiatrists. And so they're Mm -hmm. looking to treat things and, you know, autism isn't really something that can be cured or treated even. It's just learning about how your brain works. And so Dr. Price brings that up in their book and how, Ideally, it would be great to get away from clinical diagnosis and just accept that autism is a neurotype. It's not Mm -hmm. bad or clinical. There's something wrong with you. It's just a different way of the brain working. And so I think right now we're really in um, a period of transition 
with, you know, the clinical diagnosis of autism versus just self versus self-diagnosis. Definitely. And I feel like the more that we're becoming aware of what autism actually is, like we are seeing such a surplus of these self-diagnoses and people relating and resonating with autism. Because I think like when you reflect back once again, autism was generally diagnosed, and this is also in Unmasking um, by Dr. Devin Price. They say that those that were generally diagnosed with autism were white males that were came from more wealthy households because they were the ones that had more access to the diagnoses and so that left out a huge population basically everyone else that wasn't a white little boy that had intense interests and so there's just so much more to look at that we're just starting to look at now that is bringing the awareness that we actually need during this autism awareness and acceptance month. And I think a lot of us want that acceptance, but others need to be actually aware of what autism is and we're just learning it ourselves. And that's why we are getting these diagnoses because we're actually learning what autism is. And I wanted to add to that too. These young Wealthy boys were not getting diagnosed so that they could be helped in their life. It was because they were presenting problems that kept them from fitting in with society and they were having behavioral problems. So in most cases, it was to provide a label for them. So that way there was an explanation for their behaviors and the way they were acting rather than, you know, having something where they would be able to, I lost my train of thought, <laughs> but it was more so to help the family and, mm -hmm. and find, you know, find help for the family rather than the individual. And I just feel like nowadays, especially with late diagnoses, it's, to help it's to find help for yourself so what I'm trying to say is back in the day when autism first was used as a label to describe behavior it was not for the benefit of the individual it was for the benefit of people who are being affected by the autistic individual's actions whereas now we're realizing it's way more important to learn we're autistic to know more about ourselves so we can be successful in our everyday lives. Yes, that was beautifully said. <laughs> I got there. I, I got it. <laughs> got the thought out. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's still so much stigma around autism. But once again, yeah, I think what you just said, like, a lot of people are seeking that diagnosis, not for other people's benefit, but for the self benefit. Yeah. 
And so I think that's really important to reflect on if you're seeking diagnosis or even if you are self-discovering and label yourself as autistic, either or is valid because it's all up to you and your own identity really at the end of the day. Like, what is that going to do to your neighbor across the street, you know? Like we should all be treating each other with kindness regardless of a label, but at the end of the day, it should really just be helping you. Yeah. So should we wrap up the episode? Do you have any other last thoughts on the topic of diagnosis or post-diagnosis? I had so many thoughts and I don't know where they went. They're gone, but they're, they're floating in that unknown area (laughs) with the word discipline (laughs) they're back with the word discipline but this is something that I feel like we could both talk on for hours so this is probably a good point to cut off anyway and we'd love to get other perspectives so yeah diagnosis self-diagnosis is a great topic for guests so if you want to be a guest on our podcast you can send us an email to pod.thespecialinterest at gmail.com. That's P-O-D dot thespecialinterest at gmail.com. And as a reminder, next week will be our last episode of this season. And then we will be taking a little bit of a break so we can work on some other new and exciting projects, which we will share a little bit more about next week. But During that time, we will also be recording with guests. So if you have emailed us to be a guest on the pod, your time to shine is coming, baby. And we can't wait to connect with you. And if you are interested in being a guest, like Alex mentioned, send us an email and we will send you a questionnaire to fill out and get you on because we want to hear as many perspectives, as many stories as we can, because I think that is just so beneficial to help bring this awareness. And we are so grateful for you all. You are all valid in every experience that you are experiencing in this human life. And we love you all so much. We do love you. And at this point, you might be thinking, how sad. Only one episode left. What am I going to listen to while I wash the dishes? What am I going to listen to while I drive to my therapy appointment? Well, don't worry, because we'll be back on July 7th. And we're going to take this time to create some really awesome stuff for you. Make sure to tune in next week because we're going to talk about an email subscription newsletter. Hopefully I'm not getting ahead of myself and we we actually do it. We will. You'll have a newsletter. Don't you worry. My ADHD brain's not going to win this time. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll have some information for you about cool stuff we're going to be doing while we take this time off. And put a lot of really great stuff into our pod, into our pod community, and give all you pod pals something really great. So that's it for the show today, I think. Right, Carly? Yep. Is that it? I I think so. (laughs) That's all for the... That's all, folks. That's all, folks. (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Bam, 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 bam.
So tune in again next week to hear all of those follow-ups. And we hope you are doing well. We hope you are spreading awareness and being yourself this month because we love you the way that you are. Woo woo. We do. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Love you. (laughs) Love you.